for tuning in to the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I am a licensed professional counselor with a private practice here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I specialize in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And on the Push Through Podcast, we're going to talk all things motherhood, womanhood, childhood, and everything in between. And sometimes random things that are on my mind. So please sit back, relax, and let's have a chat. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Push Through Podcast. And I have Karen here. Hi, Karen. Hey. (laughs) So Karen is a fellow mom friend, and our kids are... Pretty much around the same age. Well, your oldest is a month older. Yeah, a month older. Than mine. Yeah, three, 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 three weeks apart. Yes. Yes. And then your second one is how many months now? He's four. Four months. And then I'm due in six weeks? What about three months? Six <laughs> months apart? Yeah. Six months apart. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. And so it's it's so nice when you meet someone. We got married the same year, and that's also. We should also, date the same year, yeah. I got married in August. You December? Yeah, yeah, yeah. December. Yeah. It's always like a little guy. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's nice to have someone whose kids are kind of aligned with yours mm-hmm. because we check in with each other with developmental milestones mm-hmm. or like. What symptoms are you experiencing, or how are you feeling, or how's the pregnancy going, or how is afterbirth? So it's really good, especially whenever your kids get sick, and then you can tell me, oh, try this probiotic, yeah. or try this, or try that. Yeah. So that's super helpful. Yeah. But I wanted to have Karen on because we've talked about just our whole stories of how motherhood has been for us, yes. family dynamics, um, relationship, juggling work, career, our identity, ourselves, and all of that, and we just have a lot of similarities (laughs) but first i wanted to start with you're haitian yes and you were born here i was born in miami miami yes okay and with that whole haitian culture background that has its own thing so tell me how is it within a haitian family period as far as like the birth i mean or like growing up haitian in america growing up haitian in america growing up haitian america is hard (laughs) it's um most of my family members and most people that i do meet that are haitian they say most we all say we all share the same story um our parents did not believe in changing ways as far as parenting skills they kept haitian tradition strictly in the house like for example they don't believe in eating out so the first time i saw applebee's i was a junior in college what never had applebee's before i was at west georgia and i was like what's that applebee's and yeah that's the first time i had applebee's i was a junior in college so they strictly my mom goes to work she cooks every day we don't sleep over people houses except it's a family member you don't go out she cooks every day she cook like she'll cook like let's say she cooks sunday she probably cook again Wednesday, then again Friday, prep Saturday for Sunday, because Sunday's like... A big meal. Yeah, yeah, like the traditional meals, like rice and legume, which is like vegetables and a meat or fried chicken and rice and fried plantains and some salad and macaroni wow. and stuff like that. Not every Sunday, okay. but like that's mostly what they do Saturday. They clean and they prep for 
the traditional meals on Sunday. And so like growing up Haitian, we're exposed to, for me, one of the hardest things was being exposed to Americans who's like, oh, your parents say I love you or you guys go out with your friends and meet up and or everything's not a spanking, you know, mm. and being hard, being wanting to do that. And you're coming home to a Haitian mother like, what do you mean? No. You know, you get stuff like that and yeah. it's, it, it's a battle or like, hey, I want to go to the mall. What mall? Go read your Bible. Or, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So it was hard until you get to an age where you understand their faults. Like you can't get mad at how you were raised when they're only when they're when they only know one way of living. Right. They're not exposed to different things. We're exposed to like watching TV and yeah. other friends saying, yeah, my mom said I love you today after we got into a fight. And I'm like. Really? <laughs> My mom's never done that. Oh, wow. So stuff like that. So it's a... Uh, it would have been different had you been raised in Haiti. Because And you wouldn't have been able to see yeah. anything else. And so that's hard. Like, I know we are... For me and my sisters, we're all different. I learned to accept my mom's faults and where she failed at. My second sister, she's really not there because she really wanted to run the streets and have fun. And, you know, she's the... Every time you call her... Like, let's say you call her, hey, I haven't heard from you, blah, 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 I love you, goodbye. Oh, I forgot to ask, call her back, I forgot to ask you, what's your gate number? Oh, it's whatever. Okay, I love you. I'm more like, click, and she's uh. like, you didn't say it back. I did, on the first call, I just needed your gate number. Yeah. My other sister, she learned real early, like, it's not my mom's fault. She was born in Haiti, this is what her parents did to her, so this is what she does to me, and I'm gonna break that out of her. Yeah. So my mom starts saying I love you when the, my sister was seven years apart. She starts saying, oh, you're gonna say it, my friend's mom said it, and so my mom started then. Well, well good for her. Yeah, and she'll start she saying mom. it. Yeah, she doesn't say it a lot yeah. to us, but her, she does, because she broke that and it made it comfortable. It's kind of odd if my mom just out the blue said, Karen, I love you, I'm like, you dying? <laughs> Are you okay? It throws, it would throw me off. Mm -hmm. But the last two times she said it, I got married and I gave birth. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I was in pain. Significant moments. Yeah, I was in pain and she was just like, not the marriage part, but yeah, you know, the yeah. birthing. And then so she was like, it's okay, you know, we love you and you got this and stuff like that. Married is, we're going down the aisle and she's the last one to go. And then she goes, you got this, is everything okay? She's like, okay, I love you, you know that, right? Aww. And then so she went in. But for her, like on a regular day, like, happy birthday, I love you. Nah. So what birth order are you? I'm the oldest. Oh, you're the oldest. Yeah, the other ones, uh, my two sisters. Yeah. And it's three of you guys total. Mm -hmm. And was it just your mom or your mom and dad in the house? It was, um, see, with being Haitian, your house is never empty. Okay. So, like, I can't be in silence. I'm so used of a busy house, like, someone's downstairs, someone's making noise, someone's on the radio, someone's on the TV. So, if I'm by myself, um, I'll probably have the TV on, I'm not even watching it. My younger sister, she has the radio on and the TV on, because that's how she functions. Mm. I, I can't, I can just do one. And then my other sister, she's the middle one, she likes the silence, because she hated a busy house. So growing up, it was my mom, my dad, then when they're separated, and this is where it became norm for me, we were living with um, my mom's uncle, my cousin. Mm -hmm. So for the rest of the time I've known, it was my mom, my cousins, and their family together. So it's always mm. been like that. So my mom moved to Georgia, some of them came here. Okay. And so our house was always full. It's never just been us and my mom. It's always been us, my mom, 
us, my mom, my grandmother, my grandfather. That's nice. How like was it that. having like the whole extended family in the household? That's what I'm used to. I, I love it. It's weird when it's just a small number of people. Like mm-hmm. moving into my first apartment by myself, I went crazy because I'm used to running into people. Or like, for example, I was talking to my friend the other day and we were all trying to plan something and they were like, there's only two beds. Girl, I'm so used to sleeping on the floor and growing uh, up. It, it doesn't bother me yeah. or whatnot. So that's how it was for us. It's like two people on a bed and six of us on the floor oh, wow. every single day. We alternate or whatnot. So, but in the house, it was always someone there yeah. with us. It was just never like a single family. It was always somebody there, vice versa. We're at their house or they're at our house. Gotcha. Uh, so how long were y'all in Miami? I moved here when I was a freshman in high school. Oh, so you were down there for a, a mm-hmm. good bit. So how was that? Um, it was different because, you know, Miami is a little rougher. So I remember the first time I moved to Georgia, we never took in a train. I never rode a school bus. We walked to school. So it oh, blew wow. us. Like, we felt like, like privileged like we were just like at the rich area like they go to school bus we don't have to walk but it's so different because you could walk everywhere you could walk to the mall the corner store mm. here it takes you 10 minutes to get up the subdivision it does <laughs> so this is true. we can't but i remember the first time we came to georgia we got on the airplane it was the first time on the plane too scary <laughs> and then we got on the train and so in Miami, you know, people walk by, mm-hmm. you don't say anything, but oh, here people in walk Georgia. by, hello. Like, hello, how you doing? And the first person that did that, we were all like, I don't know that person, why are they talking to me, you know? Southern hospitality. Yeah, and then the second time we was on the train, and this lady asked, um, this lady said, you could sit here? And I was just like, yeah, no, I'm going to need you to back off. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> or whatever. My mom was like, they're nice here. It's okay. So it took a while to adjust, because you didn't know, is this, are they being really nice, yeah. or they're trying me at the time. Uh, so it was an adjustment. It how was, was it adjusting with school, since this is like high school for you? Um, funny part, I think I've been to 10 schools. 10 schools, Yeah, <laughs> I think I've been to 10 schools, like... Just because you guys moved? We moved, and um, my mom wanted to stay within certain districts okay. or whatnot. Okay. And then we moved here to, not a lot, but like I went to two, two high schools, three high schools here. Because when we first moved, we were living with my cousin until my mom got her apartment. And then we stayed there for a year, and then my mom got a house, and then I moved again. So gotcha. I moved my senior year. Okay. So, yeah, I never really had like friends from like oh this was my elementary school friend yeah. like my sisters have because I moved me and the second one kind of moved around a lot or whatever my sister she's in the same school so she, her I think she was like what first grade yeah here they're all friends till now oh wow yeah okay so yeah. then moved to Georgia adjusted to Southern Hospitality mm-hmm. moved to two different schools how and I guess your dad stayed in Florida he stays in Florida okay gotcha yeah. so how how was your relationship with your mom, you being the oldest, having moved here, kind of like gone with her everywhere you guys have been to? It was harder because she depended on me for a lot. And um, it was an adjustment because, like I said, we always had cousins and they're older than me. So it's always what they said. And then here's everything dropping on me. But even throughout the whole process, my sister is seven years younger so I changed diapers Mm. I fed and did stuff like that but there's always somebody else around but moving here you don't know the people 
and my mom's trying to find balance and she's like I'm depending on you I'm depending on you we, we you, don't, you don't have babysitters mm-hmm. or cousins you can go to so it was an adjustment and being Haitian here they're hard on you here because in the culture the oldest take care of the youngest so for example it's just expected it, yeah yeah so for example my uncle who lived with my mom and in the culture you can't leave until you're married and so my uncle got married I think at what 49 and that's when he finally moved away from my mom's house and got his own place mm. and stuff like that so everything falls on you I handle the immigration papers I handle work I handle um, things most of the house stuff she got but things that they can't handle because of the language barrier mm. or whatever I handle like my younger cousins now for my uncle I handle their schoolwork I handle the teachers and stuff wow. like that so everything falls on the first one but I think with growing up Haitian in America the way that our parents you know raised us made us so much stronger yeah. to handle certain situations and resourceful yeah because I could balance, like my mom says, she's the oldest child that my grandmother has. Um, she takes care of everybody in Haiti because they don't have jobs in mm. Haiti. So she sends them, she pays for school for all of them. Wow. So my mom's always worked two jobs. She pays for school for all of them. She takes care of the bills, the feeding, the clothes, and she also takes care of us. So she wow. instilled that in me. So that's why it's kind of easy yeah. to handle that now that I understand more. Uh-huh. But it was it, it was an adjustment to understand the difference. Was it ever? Did you just take on the responsibility? Because it sounds like you were a daughter and a partner, yeah. in a way. But do you feel like because of the culture, you didn't necessarily know anything else? So it didn't I, I wasn't you. exposed to anything else. Like I didn't know parents handle certain things in private mm-hmm. the, the way we do. Like I remember being eight years old, and mom was like, read this immigration paperwork, and there's the words you can't even pronounce. But then as I got older, it got easier, or whatnot. And then my mom got married, so my stepdad was also here, or whatnot. But yeah, so he he doesn't speak English well at all, so it's handling both of their stuff at the same time. My mom is pretty fluent, so it was the things that she don't understand, the gap in some of the stuff. So Mm -hmm. yeah, but most of the stuff, it wasn't like you're asked to do it it was like hey read this letter (laughs) fill this out what is this what is that and here are you googling to find what is oh this means that if you don't fill these your visa gonna be revoked oh wow what's revoked hold on yeah (laughs) and stuff like that so yeah but I do think that's so interesting because it's kind of like a reminder of like having some privilege being black American Mm -hmm. I guess like being born here and not culturally not having had that responsibility Mm -hmm. but then at the same time I like how you said it was a strength of yours you were like very resourceful you knew how to navigate these Mm -hmm. things because I don't think I I I ain't have no responsibility until I I remember even thinking I remember one time I had a car accident this is embarrassing I had a car accident (laughs) in college and went to the ER in the the nurse asked me for my insurance card, and I gave her my car insurance. I think it's a shock. I don't think you did that intentionally. <laughs> like, like, it was like, I, I guess this is it. I don't know. You know, like, just like a, I didn't, my parents paid my cell phone. I paid my car note. I didn't pay a bill. I didn't, I didn't have to, I didn't mm-hmm. do anything. My parents helped me with, like, fast, but I didn't do anything. Really? And, no, and I remember, like, going back, I... I know, like, me and I, as a parent, I want to make sure my boys can do all of that stuff in high school. They know how to budget. They know, like, credit scores and all of that stuff because I was very sheltered. 
And I didn't have to do much. We didn't do none of that, though. Like, um, my mom, like, I'm just not learning about the whole budgeting thing, finance. I mean, in a sense, not really just not learning because when I lived on my own, I paid all my bills and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But to actually sit down and write that stuff down, they never taught us that. They never taught us how to write a check. They never is. They they basically tried to teach you how to survive Mm -hmm. here. So most of the that was more important. Yeah, they they focused on that stuff. Hey. Visa, um, food, and that's it. Like nothing else came important. Like, for example, let's. I had award shows when I was younger. You know, hey, best improved or outstanding this or whatever, whatever. My mom wouldn't show up because it's not important to her. Graduation's important. <laughs> that's a, that's about it. But the rest of the other stuff in between, no, we couldn't play sports. That wasn't something important. Is go to school, do this. I remember one story. My mom. Um, my, we moved to Georgia, and Florida is full of Haitians. They, they got you, the teachers over there got used to it. Haitian parents don't come to anything unless it's something bad. You call them from work. I remember we moved to Georgia, and we were in high school. You know how you have to um, come for registration, yeah. and you have to go meet the teachers and stuff like yeah. that. They don't do that in Miami. So here, there's no open do, house. They have it where you come in and discuss in between a year how your student is doing your child is doing Mm -hmm. but not like home open house meet the teachers and stuff like that they call my mom from work so she comes to the school and she goes what happened what did she do oh no we needed to meet you and talk to you about what's going on in her class my mom flipped out she was like don't you ever call my job i'm at work i sit in the school to do well what are you calling my job for i know they're doing well because that's what i sent them for you don't call me to come ask me to meet the teachers for what you call me when they're doing something wrong, and I'll straighten them out, and I'll send them right back your way. And she walked right out. Never again did they wow. call her for all three of us. Wow. Yeah, like, it, yeah. My mom just, Ma, you can't do that. So with my uncle, who's, his daughter is six, and he's 50-something, and I'm like, you can't, be, don't be like my mom. Like, that's not how the school, that's not how it works. Yeah. Go to the school and get involved. That's one of the things that, um, looking at all my cousins, what they do so different is take both sides of the culture yeah. and they created their own. Which is so good. yeah, they go to the schools, they're involved, like two of my cousins' kids are so active in everything. Others carried on the tradition and I don't want to do that. You know, some of it has to break. They carried on the tradition with their kids and they're still good kids, but you need to be more involved and understand why your child is developing this way and acting out this way and stuff like that. But she just, she was strict. Only call me when they do bad. I don't care about the good because that's what they're supposed to do. Mm. They're in school for that reason. I didn't send them to school to be rude and disrespectful. I sent you to be respectful and do your work and do homework. So since doing well was expected, was there ever any praise growing up? No. (laughs) So I got a story, funny story. I um, I, I, I got my master's degree. Mm-hmm. And when I graduated, I graduated with a 3.9 because I had... A 3.9? 3.99. Oh, my God. Let me tell you why it's important. <laughs> so, um, it was me and my cousin and Julia went, and we all at graduation, and my mom didn't know what a valedictorian is or whatever. And so, she went to graduation, and she's reading a little thing, and she sees it. So, after graduation happens, and they put the medal on me and all this other stuff, she didn't go to the uh, award ceremony either. Mm-hmm. So, she put the medal on, and they give you the robe, and you walk off. And the first thing my mom says is, everybody's outside, and she goes, that could have been you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? 
the girl, the girl that's that's talking. That could have been you. And I was like, yeah, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't valedictorian. I know if you had worked harder, you would have been valedictorian. And uh. everybody busts out laughing because there's like there's literally no praise in the moment. But that's how that's her love yeah. language. Yeah. That's how she was raised. So to me, it's it's her saying, good job, like yeah. you did it. Outside looking in, everybody's like, "Is your mom okay?" Like, you got a 3.9. I know. Why didn't you get it? Why didn't you do good enough to get that extra point to give you a four? That girl is a four. You a 3.99, oh. and everybody bust out laughing. Wow. So it's a culture shock for my husband, who's not Haitian, who's who literally got thrown into this after yeah. we got married and gra- not gradually thrown. It was just like, "Hey, I'm married." And the f- next day after we got married, we went out of town, but when we came back, it was like, yeah, you're Haitian now. We need you to do da 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 And he was just in total shock. Like, okay, like, how do I do this? I don't know. Figure it out. Aren't you American? Figure it out. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's a culture shock for him every other wow. day. Yeah, but my mom, her praises is like the weirdest thing. Like, the other day I cleaned her whole house, and I did it the way she does because she's very OCD. She's mm. one that will get glass on purpose to see if there's a fingerprint on there. Mm. And if there is, she's flipping out. So I was just like, hey, you know, I'm off the floor. Make sure you put your feet on the floor. So she goes, hmm. and she expects it. And I'm looking. I was like, did you find anything? Of course, you didn't do it the way I did it. <laughs> and I was like, well, I just can't get a thank you, huh? And she was like, don't you live here? You don't get a thank you for what you're supposed to do. Wow. And I was like, you're welcome, Mom. And she laughs. <laughs> but, you know, you gotta. I guess you have to be raised in there to understand yeah, that the, is true. the difference. Because outside looking in, people are just like, my mom is Karen, like, are you okay? <laughs> I get that from a lot of American friends. When they, when they meet her, and after the second day she starts talking, they love her. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, she's very hardcore. And I know at her job, I'm so happy. She's one of those that... Um, in the mindset, and I get that from her, and I wish I could change because my sisters are not... I get stuck in this I'm working now. Um, I was raised to work and make sure you stay good at your job. Mm-hmm. But she would make sure that you push yourself to do more. Mm-hmm. But she's comfortable at her at this one position that pays. So my mom doesn't believe in going higher. Oh. She pushes us to go higher. But yeah. for her, she doesn't. And I got stuck like that. I feel like I held myself back a lot out of fear. Oh. And But my sisters, no. My sisters, I'm not doing this job. Quit and find another one. I'm terrified of like starting new things and doing Just what the they unknown. do. Yeah. And so my mom, she stayed at her job for over 20-something years. And the managers, they love her. They know her. Never got written up. My mom's resume is a half a page. Wow. Yeah. So other two jobs was in Miami, and it was just two, two hospitals, and the one here. So it's three jobs that she's kept for 20 years. So her manager's telling her about how happy she was that her daughter, who dropped out, who didn't do nothing, decided to go back to school, and do something. So she took the six weeks course and became like a CNA or something like that. Mm-hmm. She's the top chef nurse. So she has like a doctorate in nursing. And so my mom, she's telling my mom the story, how proud she is. Mom was like, oh my God, did she finally graduate nursing school? She was like, well, sort of. She went to a trade school and got certified for a CNA. And my mom is like, that's it? Ah, uh, You're so, you're proud of that? You see oh, my kids? Uh. They're not doctors, lawyers, or engineers. Do I ever tell you what they do? Because I don't care. I don't praise what's under your praise. Wow. But they know her. Yeah. They know how she speaks. So they both bust out laughing. I thought she was going to get fired. <laughs> but they but they laughed. And they were just like, we love you, Miss Pierre. We just so love oh, you. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That's, that's being raised in her household. 
that's oh well i think that it's awesome that you have a great balance mm-hmm. like where you understand the root of like what this is what this means mm-hmm. this doesn't feel personal although i can be in this american i can dip in and out of this american and haitian culture mm-hmm. and still like be grounded in who i am and what the people around me are yeah so then knowing like what the foundation was what did you think about motherhood like before you even became a mom or before you became a wife I watched my mom work like two jobs for most of it I watched her um, go to school my mom was in Haiti and she never made it through school so I think my grandmother told me she made it to primary school which is like what third grade so she came to America she didn't know how to read or write and my mom worked her butt off she went to school she learned not only English, she speaks four languages. Wow. So she learned how to read and write. She goes to school. And I remember going through, I remember going to school and my mom is right next to us doing her homework as, as well. Mm. So it was like growing up watching her do all this stuff and never actually seeing my mom break or be tired, which is like, oh, I can do this mm-hmm. or whatever. Like I had this extra strength that she has. And it was a culture shock when I got my child and realized I don't know how she did it. Like, how did she did three? at the same time, most times by herself, Mm -hmm. and still made it time to laugh and smile and work two jobs. I don't, it's mind blowing to me to think about it. Have you ever asked her? I did, she said I knew what responsibility was and I knew what suffering was. If you raise in Haiti and you don't have food, being here is a blessing in America. And because school is not free over there. So my grandmother couldn't afford it, so she couldn't go to school. Mm. So she didn't go to school for most of her life. All they did was work or did gardening and sold what they had. But for my mom to come here and to get the education and to... It was like a privilege. Let me take... And she took advantage of it. And Mm. that's one of the things that she hates about, like, being here and education is free and people don't take it. It was a struggle. Like, if we didn't do good in school or let's say we made a C on a test... We didn't know why she was so angry. Yeah. And we get it now that we're older when she's like, yeah, I have to make sure I work another extra shift because her sister is trying to go to school. And I'm like, then tell her to go to school. No, Karen, they pay for this. Yeah. They don't have jobs, so I pay for this. And it's like, wow. And we get it for free. We get the basic stuff for free, and they don't. Mm-hmm. So it was to see her do all of that it was just it was amazing but then for me to be able to do it i could like i can't walk in her shoes mm. so it was it was shocking to to be in the position and do that thinking i got the best of both worlds i'm not going to be struggling like she did at the beginning or i'm not thinking i'm going to school with my child and stuff like that. so i'd be able to have time to go to the school meetings put them in sports and stuff like that but yeah. i'm not even near there and i'm exhausted but mm. i've never seen her crack or whatnot. If I ever did, it was maybe through death or she wasn't feeling well and things just piled up. Yeah. But she had her moments. She would literally just stay out a little longer and sit in the car in the mall and debrief herself and then come back and she comes back strong. Mm. But then behind closed doors, it could be a different story. Yeah. So she told she told us stuff like that. Like I would literally go to the mall for an hour and just walk off my stress. Mm-hmm. So. And I think we like relate a lot in that way. Like mm-hmm. having moms who are just like concrete and then thinking like Mm -hmm. oh I have to live up to this or I have this superpower as well and then when we don't it can feel inadequate in a way and the other thing is we have our husbands they did it by themselves Mm -hmm. so she she had to go to school and stuff like that so she's just like why are you tired why what's the problem 
I had three. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't make me feel any better. Right. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Okay, so, so yeah. then was your first plan not planned? Mac uh, wanted to get married. I mean, no, wanted to have a baby, immediate, like a honeymoon baby. And I was just like, no, let's enjoy our marriage. And it was because most of his friends are just now starting to have a baby or they've been had a baby. And so the itch was there. I was more like, we're married, we can go out, let's travel the world or whatnot. So it was that pressure. So we had to go, went out to dinner, had that conversation. And I had just started my job. Apparently in the state of Georgia, you have to be there for a year for you have job security. So I was just like, I can't get pregnant now because the baby's going to be born before I make a year. Mm -hmm. And they told me if you get pregnant now, we don't have to hire you back. Wow. Because you're not, you haven't been at the job for um, a year. Mm -hmm. And so he was just like, oh, okay. So um, with both of my pregnancies, every time I got pregnant, it was never planned. I was extremely sick, like near death. My manager had strep. I ended up having strep, strep infection and a sinus infection, and the side, like the CVS, far, um, not pharmacy, doctor, because I couldn't go to my doctor, mm -hmm. um, gave me strong antibiotics, and it ended up giving me a chest infection. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so that added on to that, and here I am thinking I'm dying, and randomly went to the doctor again because I wasn't feeling good, made me pee on a stick, and I was pregnant. Oh, God. They just like, hey, let's just have you pee. And I was like, oh, what? I'm dying. <laughs> I was like, no, we just want to make sure we can't prescribe you certain medications that can harm your body. But I'm not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and then the funny part about it with both pregnancies, I was on my period. The day I went, wow. for, yeah, I had my period, so it was never missed. The day I went to the doctor when I thought I had the flu with Noah, I um, was a day late. And I was close to three months pregnant. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because I got pregnant in December. I found out sometime in February, going on March. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. so was this shock, exciting, uh, uh, numb? It was weird. because It was exciting, <laughs> but it was weird because I never could imagine something moving in your stomach. I remember I had a stomach virus one time, and you feel your stomach go, freaked me out. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through pregnancy if a stomach virus can freak me out. A human yeah. literally moving in your body is definitely going to freak me out. So um, I told Mac, he cried. He was so excited. Um, and he, he was just happy. And it's just the process of watching your body grow and mm -hmm. watching your body change was so amazing mm -hmm. to see it and hear it and believe, like, oh, my God, like, I did this. Like, mm -hmm. it's creating in me and stuff like that. Um, but with Noah, it was very different. Um this one, I had received news that I wasn't able to have a baby anymore and that I had cyst and fibroids closing out my... Um, you were told this before you got pregnant with Noah? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I had had bad stomach. We had went on a cruise, and when I got back on the cruise, I thought maybe I did something wrong because I had lost 25 pounds. I didn't know if it, I did it the wrong way or if I was exercising wrong. I know my stomach was hurting for, like, months before I went on a cruise. Mm -hmm. And then so I finally said, when I come back after my birthday, I'm going to go to the doctor went to the doctor, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. So they sent me to a specialist to get a special painful sonogram that they used the, uh, it's a stick, or not the one that at the doctor's office, mm -hmm. it's a long stick with a camera in there. Mm -hmm. And they followed the camera all oh, the gosh. way through and they couldn't numb me or whatever. So they followed the camera all the way Ugh. through my stomach and out my stomach, around my Ugh. stomach, yeah. So that's when I was asking, is everything okay? And they were just like, we can't talk to you, you have to go see a specialist. The longest three weeks ever go to the doctor, 
he shows me a picture of the sonogram where your eggs are at. Mm -hmm. um, they were like, this is where your eggs dropped and your fallopian tubes, and that's where you conceived down there. It was blocked off. So it was oh, like wow. cysts and fibroids all over oh, here. Wow. And then he was just like, and plus with irregular periods and stuff like that, he looked, he was just like, yeah, we have to do further testing because I think you have PCOS. And he looked at me as if, yeah, when, I, when you fill out the and paperwork. And this came up after your first. Mm -hmm. This never came up before. Mm -mm. Okay. And so when he said it, um, I was just like, he said, no one's told you this before? I, I know, this is me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, no. He was like, yeah, I actually filled these paperwork and you didn't put none of this on it, so you did not know. And I said, no. And he said, and you have a child. <laughs> And I said, yeah, my sister was with me because she swore I was pregnant. And um, because I, I had a period with Elijah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so she was like, you, she, don't worry about your period, you're pregnant. All this is pregnancy. And so the doctor was just like, yeah. So he was like, I don't know how to tell you this, but this is what's going on in your body. Um, I don't know how you conceived Elijah because the way these are positioned, these are aged. Like someone should have told you this years ago wow. and nobody told you this through no blood test. And I was just like, no, shocking. So he was just like, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be hard. And I said, no, don't go around the bush. Just say it. And he was just like, I don't believe you're able to conceive. There's no way I don't, you don't have eggs dropping or whatever. Like everything you, is there. But you were still getting a period. Um, no, I didn't have a period for six weeks when I went. Gotcha. So when the pain started, I went finally went to the doctor. And then when I finally went to the doctor, I was six weeks late. And so my sister was like, I need you to take a blood test. And he was like, I'm not going to do that. He was like, there's no point because you peed on a stick. It's six weeks. By six weeks, it should appear. Yeah. I can do it for you. It's an extra charge to your insurance, but I don't want you to get your hopes up thinking it's something what it is. Mm -hmm. So he said that. And I called my cousin, who's a doctor, and she was like, I'm so sorry. And then she explained to me what it was, because I've heard of PCOS, but I did not know what it was. Yeah. And so I know that with the cystic fibers, you can conceive. Mm -hmm. But the PCOS, when he was just like, giving me the paperwork on, and I was just like, how did I end up with Elijah? He said, that was a blessing, or whatnot. Elijah mm -hmm. was a true blessing, because your body, I don't know how you was able to even carry Elijah. Because he said with the body, the way my um, female parts was sectioned, he said, and um, with your body, it normally kills the baby. That's why miscarriages are so high mm -hmm. in that. And I, I just did not know. So I called my cousin, and she told me about it. And there's other things you can do, like the keto diet that helps reverse it and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. he was telling me that I should talk to my husband, come back, and let's start taking injections and taking medications to see if we could break it open and do, like, a reverse to see if it would like change and go backwards and stuff mm. like that. He said it's a normal process people do. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But the side effects is more facial hair, more more masculine stuff happening in your body. Mm -hmm. That's gonna push it out more so it's more visible. And I was like, no, I'm not putting drugs in my body. Mm -hmm. And so um, he was like, okay, well just lose weight because weight is a factor. Your um, pH is imbalanced, your hormones are imbalanced due to your weight. Weight is the biggest thing when it comes to PCOS. Um, lose weight, get on birth control. I'm not getting on birth control either. And I was like, it's no point if you said I can't get pregnant, why yeah, get yeah. on birth control? He right. said to regulate my period. I was like, I'm not doing it. So then he was just like, lose weight, get on birth control, and then talk to your husband. We have a plan set up for you. We can send you to these doctors. They can help you. And um, it went from there. Like I was like, okay. But it was like the first day I was okay. I think I texted you. The second day I was okay, and then it was to the point that when we, when I told him what happened, he was like, "So we ain't gotta use protection." I was like, "No, 
so we can do this for fun. And I was like, sure. And when I realized, not thinking that we were just enjoying ourselves mm -hmm. and nothing was happening, that's when it got devastating. And I never really told anybody. And that's when I really started diving into learning what it was. And it just, it messed with me. Mm. And then so every time I would be late, it could be like, a day late or on the app it'll be like by this time your period will start if it's a minute late i'm buying like pregnancy tests mm -hmm. not trying to get pregnant but to like i'm gonna prove these doctors wrong right. like you're not gonna tell me i can't get pregnant and it never happened and i it's think it's like you want something you don't necessarily really want something mm -mm. until someone tells you that it's you not, can't have yeah. it yeah because we were planning on going on a trip and then he was just like after this trip next year then let's go back and talk to the doctor and i was just like yeah he was like you don't want to do drugs, I support you, but let's just get their options and see what they can say. Let's just plan this out. Mm -hmm. And that was the plan from then on. I mean, if they said I couldn't, what's the point? Right. So we went through that way and tried to, um, I think I seen him like two more times after that. And he was always like, your weight, get it a little under control, like get a little lower with the thing. I'm like, yo, like, it's not like I lose 100 pounds tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So he was just like, you know, just work on a weight thing. Everything was perfect no high blood pressure, no cholesterol, nothing. Um, my cycles were mysteriously all of a sudden starting to get back. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And then like all of a sudden they'll just, I'm two weeks late and then three weeks late. One time I was four months late and what? yeah, and it was just, everything was still normal, but that's what they said, so. And then we you just got pregnant. Attention. We were going to, um, it was uh, when I found out in February, Mac had came to me, was just like, hey, let's um, plan our 35th birthday anniversary, you know, trip or mm -hmm. whatever. And I said, sure. So we're either going to Jamaica, Haiti, or Miami. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to do like a couples thing, leave Elijah. And I was like, yes, I haven't had a margarita. <laughs> I haven't drank. I am going in. I'm, I'm excited. And then my manager ended up getting the flu, giving it to everybody. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I end up being right next to him because we sat next to each other and I was the last one to get sick. So good thing we get to work from home because people were taking weeks and weeks off at the time. So my manager was like, I'm so sorry. You look death like death. I came into work thinking I could make it. And he was like, you look like death. Let's take you to Northside. I end up going to my doctor. And so um, this was like February and I'm going to my doctor. I had an appointment with him on Monday. I ended up going to him on Thursday. And so um, routine, pee in the cup, go here. What's the problem going? And he goes, um, the nurse comes in and she goes, are you okay? And, I, and I'm talking and I'm like gasping. I was like, yeah, I just, I can't <laughs> breathe. And I think I'm dying. And she was like, no, you're not dying. And I was looking at her like, okay, come back. And this is um, my, I didn't have a PCP, so this is my OB. So I go to him, he comes in and he has no paperwork, he has no jacket on, and he goes, I know you, I remember you, I, you're, you, I remember you. And I was like, okay. He sat down and he goes, yeah. And I was like, am I dying? Is that why you ran in here? And he was just like, no, you're, you're not dying. And he sat down, and he looked at me, he rubbed his head, and he's a white guy, so he's shaking his hair. And I was like, <laughs> what is it? Just tell me, I told you I like it straightforward. He goes, you're 10 weeks pregnant. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, it's like, he said, I said, like a person get who's drunk driving the clock pull up and you're like, so, so wrong. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not. I'm, my period is a day late. Ten weeks. Yeah, he's like, my period's a day late. He was just like, 
no, you're like full blown pregnant. And so he sat there, he's like, I don't remember your name, but I know you got a pretty last name, but you're pregnant. And I, I, I don't know why I know you're not supposed to be pregnant, but you're pregnant. So he sat there and we both sat there for 10 minutes, no words, and he just looked at me. He goes, oh my God, I got patience. And he comes back and he comes back in and he goes, and this is why I love him. And he goes, you always said, I have a note here. If I have to deliver a message to you, I need to be straightforward. And I was like, yeah, just go ahead and give it to me. He said, you're pregnant. I'm gonna give you this whole packet, you know, um, and he never said congratulations. He goes through all this stuff and he goes, I'm gonna be blunt, forced, honest with you. And he goes, um, I'm not gonna call it a baby. I don't want you to be attached, hmm. which is the hardest thing to right. tell someone. You just told me I'm pregnant. Automatically, your mind and your belly and your embryo yeah. is connected. And he goes, I don't want you to be attached. The way your uterus is set up, I feel like you might you know, there's miscarry. a possibility that you're going to miscarry. Mm. But the bright side about it is if you miscarry, miscarry, you'll be able to be pregnant faster. We'd be able to catch it. We'd be able to get you progesterone shots mm -hmm. and stuff like that yeah. to make sure your service can hold the baby. So I don't want you to be um, too excited. I need you to come back in three, four more weeks. If you have this in three, four more weeks, you're officially pregnant. Wow. So I didn't tell anybody. I think I didn't know how to tell my husband how to do this or whatever. Um, I did take a pregnancy test because he was like, take my pregnancy test, it's going to show. I showed my friend and she was so excited. Mm -hmm. And I told her, you know, what the doctor said. She wanted to go to the appointment with me. And I was like, no, 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 I just, I can't deal with news and tell people mm -hmm. bad. I, I've never been able to tell people bad news. Mm -hmm. And so um, we were excited or whatever. And I, I didn't know how to tell Max. So after that happened, I go back, and then he goes, Karen, congratulations, you're pregnant. Oh, my god! And he was so excited, or whatever. And then he was just like, um, now you can tell people and, you know, take it easy. But, yeah, he's like, just be aware anything could happen. Mm -hmm. But you passed the danger zone, and the baby has a strong heartbeat, and the baby's developing well. You, like, it's it's good. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, thank God it's, it's good. And he's like... I don't know why. You're not supposed to be attached to your patients. I'm just so attached to you. <laughs> and so, yeah, he said that. And, yeah, we, wow. we carried on the baby. And I told Mac, and we were supposed to buy tickets to go wherever that day. And I was like, I couldn't. Next day, I went to the hospital to find that out. And then he was just like, you planned this. <laughs> and I was like, no, I did not. I promise you. I was like, yeah, you did. He didn't believe me. He wow. never believed that I was pregnant. And when um, I was trying to tell him, Elijah came and I said, go give daddy this. It was a menu and in the menu was a pregnancy test. He runs, he goes, daddy here. And he goes, no. And Elijah throws a pregnancy test at him and he picks it up and he goes, which one of your friends are pregnant? <laughs> and I'm like, none of them. Why are you giving Elijah his old pregnancy test? I'm like, okay, that's not his. <laughs> it's clearly still wet. You out here in these streets buying fake pregnancy <laughs> oh tests? And I said, no, Hello. I'm pregnant. <laughs> and he was just shocked. He looked at me, he picked up his phone, and then he gets up to go to the kitchen. I'm walking to him and I'm like, I'm about to tell him like, it's going to be okay. Cause he remembered all the things that the yeah. doctor said. And Elijah goes in between him and says, leave my mom alone, leave my baby alone. These are mine. Aww. And I was just like, okay. So we live together. He calls me two days later at work and goes, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was in shock because he didn't talk to me for two days. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we lived together. He was like, we had conversations, but never said anything about the pregnancy. Yeah. He was just like, it just hit me like, you're legit pregnant. And I was like, 
Yeah. Wow. I just, you know, just told you that. So, yeah. That's crazy, Karen. What's extra crazy is the day they said I conceived, the next day, the day before, I had a video of Elijah in my stomach saying, baby, in December, hitting my stomach saying, baby, baby, baby. Oh. And I was just like, I recorded it, sent it to my friend saying, yeah, I need to get back on his weight loss because he's clearly calling me fat. He said, there's a baby in there. And I'm recording him going, this is my baby, this is my baby. And so um, every day until they told me I was pregnant, every night, he'd be like, I have to kiss the baby goodnight. There's no baby. Yes, there is. And he would get so upset. He told his old daycare. He told my mom. Mm -hmm. My mom thought I was lying for weeks, that I was trying to hide a pregnancy. And everybody kept saying, your wife is pregnant. And I was just like, no, she's not. Mm -hmm. Why are you guys hiding it? Like, we all took pregnancy tests. Kids can see these things. Yeah. So it's all females in his daycare. They all took tests. Nobody's pregnant. Your wife is pregnant. And she was like, okay. I come in. How far along are you? I'm not pregnant. Huh. You sure? <laughs> yes. I took 20 pregnancy tests up to that point. I'm not pregnant. And it was so hard because every time they asked me that, I broke. Wow. Because I didn't want it at that time, but the fact that they kept telling me that I was not, they're telling me that my body's not capable of doing it, yeah. it broke me on the inside. And so until then, yeah, and then when I told Elijah I'm having a baby, no. <laughs> and then he got excited. That so. is awesome. Yeah. So what has been the biggest struggles for you with being a mom, with your first and or second? Um, it's always been balancing and figuring out the... Um, the biggest struggle now is dealing with the fact that people will say, you had one, you're good with this one. Mm. And it's not the same at all. Yeah. It's so different how you balance, how you functioned, and things that you did, the timing wasn't different. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember Elijah used to cry every hour and a half. Noah didn't do that, but when he was up, he was up for hours mm. or whatever. So it was always trying to find a way to balance. Like people say, sleep when the baby sleeps. No, that's not possible. Mm -hmm. I can't sleep. But then again, because I wasn't able to breastfeed, um, when he slept, it was washing bottles, making sure there was enough diapers and wipes near me, making sure um, Elijah clothes was ready for the next day. It was, it was always busy mode yeah. until I crashed or whatnot. So that's always been the hardest thing for me. It's always trying to find like the balancing the mental state taking care of yourself take care of yourself it's not easy yeah, man. there's is. a thousand things i thought it was hard with one like oh my god then balance with elisha this should be a better way because i have some advances especially dealing with the fact that i never changed a boy before mm -hmm. this one ah, i got this mm -hmm. but it, it wasn't it it's was just different yeah and it's different with every child every child so being that you have a family where typically it's kind of like a village mm -hmm. um do you feel like that was helpful or hurtful uh both hurtful in the sense that you know they have lives and they have to work so i was home a lot and I remember when you were talking about your birth story, how you said you started being, um, you started hallucinating. Mm -hmm. When you said that, I never told, because the doctor asked, I never said it because I didn't want them to think I was crazy mm -hmm. and tried to take the baby away and put me in a mental institute. Mm -hmm. Because Noah never wanted to sleep during the day, mm -hmm. and he's, I mean, during that night, he slept during the day when my mom got home. My mom has an upstairs and downstairs. So when they went to work, I swore I heard somebody walking by my door. Mm. It freaked me out. Or whatever so um with with her with them working when she came home she had to cook 
she's the clean. She had to get settled. She was yeah. at work since 4 a.m. She had to get settled. So by like 5 o'clock is when she would be like, give me the baby. By then, I'm like done, mentally done, physically done. This is when I'm finally getting to like take a shower yeah. or I would go walk for like two seconds and you know before the baby would cry he wasn't really attached to me because I wasn't breastfeeding I was trying so hard mm -hmm. I ended up hurting myself I was um, um, I was taking pills I was taking the mother's tea mm -hmm. I was eating the cookies mm -hmm. and I end up um, having internal bleeding mm -hmm. outside of the regular bleeding because it was a different color mm -hmm. and they said I was literally poisoning myself and my oh, breast wow. milk started turning was it green and sour because I wanted it so bad yeah. and people kept saying how come you can't breastfeed that's not normal uh, and it, it messed, messed with me because yeah. I wanted him so healthy and I felt like um, if he like had breast milk he would be healthier than Elijah was so mm. I was wanting it so bad it never came mm. so yeah it was hard but then the good part was the little time that I did have or whatever that's when I'm rushing to take a shower and do this the shower wasn't like 10 minutes it was like literally jump in there scrub get out go back because then by seven o'clock she's ready for bed mm -hmm. or whatnot so it wasn't it wasn't easy at all because I was by myself all the time with the doors locked because I thought somebody was in the house just walking around mm -hmm. waiting for me to get out mm -hmm. the only thing that was different now with Elijah and him with Elijah is gonna laugh I had like you know how they scare you with SIDS yeah. and stuff like that and I felt like every time I would go use the bathroom or something, something would happen to him or he would mysteriously disappear mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So my cousin was like, you know what I did? I put him in a car seat and I took him in the bathroom with me. Mm. And I, I didn't have the little baby carrier thing. Yeah. So I did that. I would take showers and put him in a car seat where I like the thing open, water all over the floor. <laughs> Breathe it. <laughs> you okay? I, yeah, I did that or whatever. And a couple people were like, that's crazy. I'm going to need you to stop. And I was just like, Because oh. that's that anxiety. Yeah. That's that worrying. Are they going to be okay? Are you yeah. going to do anything to make them not live anymore? Yeah. I had that bad with both. Like, I think I bounced a little bit with Noah. But, like, I would, this time with Noah, I got um, a baby monitor. Mm. I put it in his crib. And I took it. And I was like, okay, I go pee. By the time I start, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm rushing to get back out there or whatever, get back in the room. But, yeah, with Elijah, I had the car seat, kitchen, bathroom, and it was like, you need to stop. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't see what's wrong with it. I didn't do that with him, mm -hmm. though. I just left him in there, ran the bathroom, came back, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So. so how did you deal with the people who didn't get it? Like the family members who were like, you should be able to do it, or you already have two, you you know, you had one already, you should be able to know, like, how did you... I didn't handle that well, mm -hmm. because um, it made me feel guilty, like, it made me feel like I was a failure, mm. so I didn't, I didn't handle that well, mm. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. So did you, did you say anything, or not? No, because they were like, your mom could do it with three, or like, other people did it, and why can't you? So it like made me feel bad. Mm -hmm. And like people be like, oh, you're fine, you got two. And I really wasn't, yeah. I wasn't okay at all. And I remember going to the doctor and he looked at me cause I was at the doctor like towards my last of the pregnancy three times a week. And he was just like, you're different. And I was like, um, I had a cold. And I was like, oh, I have a cold. And he was just like, no, that's not it, you're different. 
And they gave me this whole questionnaire. They kept me there for hours asking questions and questions. And I was like, I'm just tired. And he was just like, no, you're depressed. And I didn't think about it until after. I was just like, I probably am. Yeah. Because I was tired. And people was telling me that you got this and you can do it. And I felt like I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I felt so um, not ungrateful. I felt like God blessed me with this child. Mm. And I couldn't like do guilt. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I couldn't do it. And every time, I remember after that happened, he was like, you need to speak up. And so I went home, and I told my mom, and I told Mac, like, hey, I need one of you guys to take a day off and just give me two hours. Let me sleep. And then after that, um, give me two hours to just go outside of this house. And then uh, they were laughing. And, you know, Mac was like, I got to work. What do you mean give you two hours? And my mom was just like, yeah, I can't take day off. And then she saw me and looked at me for the first time different. Mm-hmm. And then she was just like, uh, okay. Next day, she goes, um, pack up Noah and let's go to the store. And it was the first time I felt good because I was in the house. In the culture, you can't leave your house mm. unless it's a doctor's appointment. My mom is like, why can't a doctor come to you? And I'm like, uh, this is America. They don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you go to them. But yeah, so it was the first time I actually went out and I felt human. Yeah. And so she was just like, oh, okay. And then she kept Noah for like maybe two hours. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the first time I actually got two hours of sleep uninterrupted. And then Elijah comes and he's all. Right. Yeah, but that was, it. And yeah, I didn't realize that I was that bad mm-hmm. until then. Like even when the person I thought was walking in and out, I didn't know I was that bad. I just thought like, yeah, I'm losing it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. That's hard. And especially, like, if you don't realize it and then everybody else around you don't see it or don't look to see it. Or I'm making it. excuses. That's right. where it came out of, like, you're making excuses because women's done it so many mm-hmm. years. Why can't you do it? And, it? and, like, and I think, like, when we were talking about this last week or the week before, it's, like, just because women do it don't mean it ain't hard. Yeah. Like, it's still yeah. hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if you had to have had IVF, even if you had had five miscarriages before you had this baby, mm-hmm. even if no one had babies at all in the whole family, like, it's still hard. It doesn't matter. And you had a village, and it was still it was hard. So hard. And I think people don't talk about it. That's why, especially in my culture, they don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not normal. Like, what do you mean? What do you, no? It's not something like my mom made it seem like you like you're built for this. Like you're a woman. Your body was able to produce a child. Something in you was going to make you be able to get up every night or you know do your housely duties as a mom, as a wife, as a sister, as a daughter, and be okay. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't. Yeah. And the thing is, I remember when my sister was born. I remember how different my mom was. And it was like, till like, maybe after listening to your show, I just sat in the car, I cried, and I remember her like struggling. I remember her crying. Mm. And I was talking to her about that, and she was just like, yeah, I was in so much pain. The C-section did not help at all. Mm. The medicines were, I mean, if you literally was a minute late taking it, the pain felt like knives all over your body. Mm. So I remember her, and she never said anything about being depressed or, never said anything about being tired it was just a c-section and back then in miami they never had 12 weeks they had six weeks oh god which made it even worse i was like so how did you balance that's what i did 
that's like it, it kicked right in mm -hmm. and it made me feel like something's wrong because nothing's kicking in me mm -hmm. like I'm going on eight weeks and you're telling me you went to work and it kicked in for you yeah it was hard because people don't if you're not in it you don't get it yeah you know right so, so yeah. what do you feel like now <clears throat> having had like this aha moment of people saying these comments are kind of like coming from a place of not really understanding the struggle what do you tell yourself so that you're not internalizing it or feeling inadequate? Um, before it made me angry when they would say that, so that's why I stopped talking. Or like when I deliver people like, how do you feel, how do you feel, what's going on? And I would tell them and it started. Mm -hmm. And then the more weeks passed, the more they said it like, oh, why are you always tired and stuff like that. So now I could laugh it off and be like, oh, you don't understand, you don't have a kid. Mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. You know, you didn't work um, when you had your child and you had um, a, a grandmother and a mother that didn't work. And for me, when my mom saw it was really like, I guess she saw it was bad. That's when my grandmother came. She was just like, I'm going to get your grandmother mm, here. That's good. And she came like the last three weeks before I went back to work. And that's where the sanity started to come back in. Because she would wake up, does her normal routine, and then come, where's my baby? Where's my baby? Mm. And then she'll take him. And then I was able to like, finally go to back to finishing my doctor's appointments because I was so scared of driving. I remember one time I was sick. I fell asleep under the, I was pregnant. I fell asleep under the um, traffic light. Mm. I was waiting and it was so long. I fell asleep. Mm. So I remember that and I was like, I can't drive. So I was afraid of driving. People were like, take your car and leave. And I couldn't tell them that I was hallucinating mm. and that I was afraid of falling asleep while driving. Yeah. So I was finally able to like go to doctor's appointments and I don't know, just go to the mall. What the doctor kept saying, just go to the mall, get away from your family because your family's like the four walls. Mm -hmm. It's not a breath of fresh air, it's just making it harder. Right. Especially with their opinions, like, why are you not doing this? Or, I couldn't eat, why are you not eating? You can't breastfeed, that's why you don't have any milk. You're not eating. I was so exhausted, I was never hungry. Yeah. And food did not satisfy me. So it was mostly like drinking protein shakes or, um, water, aloe vera juice, whatever that can keep. And I strong. remember when I saw you, I can't remember. If it, I think it was at the birthday party, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Wow, you're back at your pre-pregnancy weight." Like, cause I, I had was smaller. Yeah, you were smaller. Mm -hmm. And that's 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 what triggered. He said you lost was it thirty pounds, thirty pounds. He said that's not bad, but he said the problem is you lost that in five weeks. That's not normal. That's a lot. And he was just like, "That was too fast." And if you was at your twelve week point when you come back and you finalize your doctor's visit then I'd be like oh that's perfect yeah but you lost that so I was supposed to go back in six weeks I went back at five weeks and one day and he said literally four weeks that's not that's not good at all mm -hmm. so that's why they kept me for hours asking questions asking questions and I I'm glad that they did that though yeah but like, I, I'm I glad that writing. they didn't just like let, at least like they did that yeah. at least they noticed a red flag and yeah. they didn't just send you home yeah I was lying through the whole thing though mm -hmm. I didn't want to tell them like I didn't, I didn't want to hurt myself, and definitely did not want to hurt Noah. Right. But all the other stuff, are you exhausted, are you tired? Yes. But are you seeing things? No. And they asked it so many different ways yeah. to see if I was lying. I just kept saying, no, no, no. Yeah, you asked this one this way. That's the same question of the last five. So we're going to have to reevaluate you. And I was like, oh, crap, I failed. Yeah. But after a while, and I think he said the method was to tire you out 
where you're outside yourself and you're not literally overthinking the questions. And the last round of questions is when they found the honesty. Because I wasn't thinking about it Good anymore. for them. I, I am know. impressed. And that's how he got it. As a it. clinician, I'm <laughs> impressed with your OB. Yeah. I am. <laughs> he, he found it. He was like, I knew he was lying. I knew he was lying. Because he said, even towards your last part of your pregnancy, you couldn't walk. You was miserable. Yeah. But you look happy. You had your baby. Your baby, he, you know, throughout the pregnancy, they said I had so many issues. And long story short was, when I had Noah, they had to schedule it early. I, he was supposed to be in the um, incubator because they said that his lungs wasn't developing, mm. all this other stuff. He said, your baby is home. And he, um, because he was so attached to me, he didn't want to deal with the after part. So after he said I was done, he left. Mm -hmm. And I came to the doctor, I was like, I'm pissed. You were supposed to be with me through the whole thing and you definitely were supposed to watch. No way, and he was just like, I told you I was attached to you. I couldn't see them put the baby in an incubator. Mm. And so he said, that's why I sent my other doctor to be there with you. And it was a female doctor I've never met. She was so nice. Mm. She stayed with me. She checked on Noah every day. She came three times a day oh, and nice. came. And then so when I go to the doctor, he was just like, oh my God, how are you? And I was like, I'm fine. And then he goes, no, you're not. And then he goes, I don't know how to ask this question. And I was like, what is it? Because they take your blood work. And it dawned on me that they take it. They're not the lab. So he didn't get it. So he was like, yeah, we did your blood work. And I was like, what is it? And he was just like, I don't know. We don't have your test. Mm -hmm. And then so I bust out laughing. But he was like, what I'm afraid to ask is, where's Noah? Is he good? Because he was supposed to be there for six weeks. And I was just like, oh, yeah, he's home. Now? And I was like, no, I took him home at the hospital. He's like, yes, uh, why didn't you bring him? And I was just like, I don't know. I just, I didn't know if I could. Yeah. So he was like, yeah, we're supposed to check you and the baby at the same time to see is his weight balanced, is your weight balanced? Um, did you see a PCP, I mean, a primary care for him? I was yeah. like, yeah, I did all of that. And he was like, okay. And then that's when we went all the questions and stuff like that. But he gotcha. was, um, he was like, your baby is home. There's something wrong. Is he not functional? I said, he's fine, mm -hmm. or whatever. And then that's when, you know, the whole keep me locked down and all that other stuff happened. And I was just like, dang, I, it was the craziest thing. I don't even remember taking the last set of questions. Mm -hmm. That hour, they was like, can you fill this out? By that time, I was tired. I, the questions didn't make sense to me. I was just, uh, yeah, we knew you was lying. Uh, Here it is. So I was like, dang it. <laughs> so that <laughs> fourth trimester is literally like war. It's the hardest. It's the hardest. Yeah. Do you feel like you're out of it? Um, I'm getting there. Okay. He's getting bigger. Um, you, you, I'm knowing his routine. Um, at the beginning, I remember when you said this, um, I didn't feel connected with him. Mm -hmm. And I think that played a part. Mm -hmm. I think I felt connected with him maybe three weeks after he was mm -hmm. born. Mm -hmm. I thought it was because I had a C-section. I never knew... Because um, everybody I know had vaginal. And when I would ask them with Elijah, they kind of like shunning, like, heck yeah, I felt him right when he came out. That was my baby. And I was like, no, I felt like he was a person and I got to take him home. Yeah. It was weird. And um, the doctor, when I delivered, asked me, how do you feel while I have my C-section? I was like, I'm just so happy to have my stomach back. And he was just like, that's a weird answer. Some people was like, I'm so happy to be a mom. And I was like, no, the pressure is finally gone. Yeah. I could breathe. Yeah. And it was instant. Like, I'm in there with the oxygen tank. And as soon as they pulled them out, I pulled the oxygen tank out and I just, I'm breathing yeah. again. And he was like, that's strange. He was like, you don't feel the baby? And I was like, no. 
So when they put them on me, I was like, if y'all take this baby off of me, I'm freezing, I'm mm. shaking, I'm weak. And Mac held him, they put him next to me, but they wanted me to hold him. I said, I'm, I'm gonna drop him, I can't. And then so he was just like, you're not bonding with your baby. After they finished, they put him on me, but at that instant moment, no, with, mm-hmm. the, with Noah, um, the same thing, but I think um, with Noah was different because I was so, like, I just needed to know what was the next step after he was born. Yeah. And I didn't tell nobody. I think only Mac knew that the process was to put him in an incubator because I couldn't deliver that news. Everybody was so excited. Mm-hmm. We done went through all of this stuff in my pregnancy, and he's here, and everybody just wanted to hold him. I couldn't tell anybody what was going on. So in my pregnancy with Noah, Elijah, I will say it was easy now, yeah. but with Noah, wasn't able to conceive, I conceived, yeah. not trying, it just happened. Then I got into six car accidents. Oh my God, I remember you told me about the one. Yeah, the one put me in the hospital and they told me that I was gonna lose the baby uh. in three days. And the person that said it to me was a woman who was nine months pregnant. Oh, and she- Trigger alert. She, um, the nurse said she's not this hardcore because when she came in the room, I didn't even know I was going to the hospital because I thought I was okay. I went out to eat and I came back and then my friend was like, I need you to go to the hospital now. And I was like, I feel fine. And then my mom says, you're talking funny. What happened? And I told her I was in a car accident. And she was like, take her to the hospital. I didn't know I was talking backwards. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how you do that. Went to the hospital. They kept me for a day. The doctor said I was fine. And she comes in and she goes, um, she didn't, she never looked at me. She looked at the, the roof and goes, okay, your placenta's tore. It's this amount of centimeters. Um, in the next two days, it could either go left or go right. It's going left, meaning it's detaching. Oh and we God. need you to come back because this is going to be bad. You will bleed out and it will be unstoppable. We're going to cut you open, get it out before it happens or you could die. Oh my God. And then so. Can I ask you a question? Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like had I not asked you to come today, I would have never known any of this. Really? Have you ever told anyone the entire, like, Mm-mm. start to finish? Because it was, it's, I, I can't deliver that type of news. Like, I think it took me two days to tell Matt, and I just bust out crying in the shower one day, and he runs in there like, what's wrong? He thought I was bleeding, and that's when I told him. And I think it took the, everybody kept asking me why I kept going to the doctor. It was just like, it's too early for you to be going to the doctor so many weeks. And that's when I said, oh, yeah, um, I had to go back to the doctor to see if I healed. Um, after my doctor said there was nothing wrong, everything disappeared on the sonogram. They saw the internal bleeding, and I said, nothing's coming out. I don't understand. Like, where is the bleeding coming from? Mm-hmm. So I went to the doctor. My doctor, this is when he tells me he's, like, attached to me. He goes, I can't let you go. He takes me to his specialist. Mm. Go there. She ended up being a missionary for Haiti. Mm. We ended up praying. Oh my goodness. She laid hands on my belly, go on the sonogram, everything disappeared. Oh my goodness. No tear, no nothing. Only thing that was there was a fibroid. Wow. Nothing there. So then she goes, okay, um, the instructions from the hospital, no stairs, no lifting up babies, no sex, no no walking, no, how am I supposed to What are to you gonna live? do? Yeah. yeah. She was like, we're gonna get you a wheelchair. And I'm like, no, ma'am. Like, I live on the third floor. I don't, I don't even know how, to, like, anything was critical. If I lift up my leg too high, I could bend the placenta. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, weeks go by, go back to the doctor, everything's fine. And I was like, good, I'm out the danger zone. Going through the sonogram, something else pops up, I have two sacs in my stomach. Either the baby lungs, liver never develop, mm. or I had twins, and that's where the 
baby died mm. and um, apparently it was too early at the time so it could went out through pee or went out however mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. so then after that start seeing a specialist three times a week and people kept saying one week I look huge next week I look small so I had to go every three days to make sure they can catch it before anything could happen mm-hmm. and um, it was a white lady doctor mm-hmm. who came to me and she was just like I've never been in a situation where my race was tested hmm. throughout my pregnancy. And um, she came and she goes, um, you don't have high blood pressure? No. Oh, god. You don't have high diabetes? Yes. She was like, huh, a person of your uh, age, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, have all these things. And I said, no, I don't. So she's telling me, are you sure? Are you like, ma'am, you have my blood work. Go check it out. And then she keeps attacking me and tell my doctor I'm never seeing her again yeah. she basically tells told me that I'm going to die giving birth oh because goodness. of the extra fluid and stuff like that and him being white and I said I don't know why she called out my race and all of this and he goes Karen she's not wrong her delivery is horrible but she is right what's, what's going on with your stomach with the PCOS the car accident the extra fluid the extra sac it's a lot going against this baby right now. Yeah. And this is why we have to monitor you. Monitor me through the whole way. I get to 37 weeks. And the whole time I'm, like, when I get to 35 weeks, when they said the baby's good, because Noah was so big, he was full term at 34 weeks. But by wow. the state of Georgia, they had to, um, um, he would still be considered preemie. Right, right. Or whatnot. And no matter how much his weight is, he would still be considered preemie. He's they can't, yeah, they can't take him early. I'm like, I'm struggling, I can't walk, my back hurts. Are you still working at this point? Mm-hmm. Mm. My doctor said I was perfectly healthy, nothing was wrong. The only thing I had was high blood pressure, not while I'm pregnant. It was me going to the doctor and just, God, please, no more bad news. Mm. And every time I go the in, anxiety. high blood pressure. <laughs> they'd be like, okay, check her again, average. <laughs> it was normal, yeah. it would go away. So um, they stopped checking me at the beginning, all they told was pee in a cup, put her in the room. And then at the end, they'll check it. And then so going through that, going to the doctor, and I was talking to my specialist was a black woman, and I guess because of that situation with her, he made me more comfortable, mm-hmm. and me and her just connected. Mm-hmm. She was wonderful, and so through the whole time, she told me the honest truth. She actually um, taught my doctor. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. She's she was she's so young. She's only she, I think she said she was forty, and she did all of she accomplished all these things in her life and. So um, she taught my doctor and he sent me to her. It was his specialist. And we went through the whole pregnancy towards the end. She was like, don't let them scare you. The only one thing she did tell me was, did you talk to him about the black women dying at birth? And I was like, I'm so nervous because he's so nice. I don't want to offend him. He's a teacher doctor. So he looks at your blood. He educates you on what your blood type is, what his blood type is, how a baby blood type is mm-hmm. and what's going on in your body to make sure when you walk out of there you are fully informed mm-hmm. on what's going on with your pregnancy and I love that that's why I stayed with him he's mm-hmm. great amazing and so she was like yeah that's exactly how she was and so they walked me through the whole pregnancy get to 37 weeks and I was just like I'm gonna deliver mm-hmm. I'm gonna deliver it literally took me 30 minutes to walk in here and she goes no you are perfect everything is the, the fluid disappear, the baby's breathing normally. Um, you know, we still have to tell you, he probably been in an incubator for the oxygen thing, but you're perfect. And I was like, you're not gonna take the baby early? Like, I'm tired. Uh. And it was just like, 
no. And I was like, okay, can y'all at least write me something so I can work from home because I can't do this walking. Yeah. And I was just like, no, you need the walking. Oh, so, wow. yeah, so at 39 weeks, then um, I took two days off. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Took two days off, went prep for the hospital, and then oh, had Noah. Yeah. So then, okay, so recap. Having your pregnancy with Elijah, having the pregnancy with Noah, the whole if you can conceive or not, the medical risk that came along with the second pregnancy, the accidents, mm-hmm. the outside voices from family members, the pressure that you had on yourself, all all of that after the birth, having two kids, having to adjust, do you feel like you fully processed like everything that you've been through? Um, for the most part, yeah. Okay. It made me more grateful. It made me like with uh, with Noah, and I felt because with Elijah, I didn't know like um, everything was so unknown to me. Like I've taken care of, I've taken care of babies since I was little. That part came easy, but they were like four, five months old. Mm-hmm. I know how to change a diaper, even with Noah. When they said, "Do you want to change a diaper?" No, go ahead and teach me one more time because <laughs> it's so you're so nervous. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't the same weight. You know, Noah was very easy because he was very he was bigger, so it was easy to put the diaper on. He couldn't wear newborns. He was at three months after he came home, you know? Mm-hmm. With Elijah, he was small, so it was just like everything you touch, it feels like you're gonna break him, so you do that, but it, with Noah, the difference between Noah and Elijah, I was so scared with Elijah mm-hmm. for everything. With Noah, a little bit came easier, I hold him more, I kiss him more, I play with him more, because this was the gift, and I appreciate every little bits and pieces. With Elijah, I woke up and he was one. Uh, I think yeah. fear drove so much of what was going on with him. Yeah. I didn't uh, I didn't get to enjoy the little baby part of him. With present. Noah, it's like time is flying. He's yeah. like trying to crawl. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I didn't capture this moment or I didn't hold him more. I didn't like I um I think before I started working Mac recorded uh, 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 us, it was like three in the morning, and he was all like, blah, 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 blah. and I was like, what's wrong? And he literally stopped, like we were having a conversation, and he's talking to me, and mm. he's like, blah, 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 blah. and I said, I know your daddy did it, I didn't do it, he's gonna give you a bottle, we're just gonna have to wait a minute, and I'm rocking him. And it was so special to me, because these are moments I didn't have with Elijah, because I'm so scared, yeah. like, is, is he breathing, is, is something wrong, is, it was anxiety with this one. That part got easier, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that more. I appreciate the little things about him more mm-hmm. because so much of the fear is not there. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't let this time pass you by, and he's one. Right. You know, and he's walking. So I appreciate that part mm-hmm. more. I played with him more than I did with Elijah because so many people in your head, don't hold him, you're going to spoil him. Mm. Don't do this, you're going to do that. And the doctor's like, you can't spoil a person who right. doesn't have the condescension to remember. <laughs> And it hit me you. like, put that on a shirt. <laughs> it hit me like, yo, that's not the truth. Say this all the time. Yes. Don't spoil the baby. That baby's so spoiled. That baby's so spoiled. And then you got to let him, like, cry it out. Or you got to let him know that if I'm not next to him, it's okay or whatever. 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 I'm not listening to anybody. Like, yeah. that's hard living do with what my you mom. Want to do. And them, they're like, you're going to spoil him. Put him down. I'm going to hold my child. Yes. And I'm like, okay. When he gets older and he wants to be carried 24-7, you're going to be the whole thing. Then that's what I have to deal with. Yeah. But when the doctor said that, I was just like, 
if that's not the smartest, easiest thing to remember. Sense, right? Yes. <laughs> he's not going to remember. He don't remember an hour ago. <laughs> and that's the blessing. They're innocent. Yeah. They don't remember certain things, the mistakes you made or the falls and stuff. You know, they yeah. don't remember the fails and stuff. So I was just like, you're so right. <laughs> so I hold him more. I play yeah. with him more. I, um, the whole jealousy. There's jealousy between Elijah and him, but they play all the time. But oh, he good. gets his moments where he's like, put Elijah, put Noah down, and can you hold me just a little bit? Hold me a little bit longer mm. and stuff like that. So I try to engage in them together mm -hmm. more. You know, little things that I was like trying to pick up or ask people who has more than one. Yeah. Like, what do you do to stop the jealousy, but to make sure you're giving adequate time to both? Right. You know, because it's hard. Noah demands more. You're more independent. But then when I guess after an hour, you're still trying to stop him from crying, he's all like, what about me? And oh. I'm like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> let's do this, you know? So yeah, so that I think I, I got that part to. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so before we wrap up, I just have to tell you this. So I know that we say that we compare ourselves to our moms mm -hmm. because they're super strong. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that strength is measured in various ways, mm -hmm. just like intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I feel like some things that we can do, our moms can't do. Mm -hmm. Some things that they can do, we can't do. But I do feel like we carry the strength that they give um, to us mm -hmm. and we just exhibit it in a di different way. And so I feel like knowing that you've been through all of that, Karen, is remarkable. Yeah. And you are impeccably strong. And even just the fact that you always carry it in a way where no one can tell. Like you just don't, you never look like unfazed. You always seem like you just, you. My mom, I get that from my mom. <laughs> it's a good thing and a bad it's thing. It's a good thing and a bad thing. Cause like I tried it at the darkest hours, they clearly didn't fall for it. But yeah, I, it was hard. I didn't want with the pregnancy. I didn't want no negative energy. I didn't mm -hmm. want people crying cause I needed to be strong. Right. And like for example, with Elijah, when he was sick and he got hospitalized, everybody's crying. I couldn't cry because I'd be strong for them. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it works like that for me. So I couldn't be strong for them and tell them bad news yeah. or whatever. Cause like with Mac, even though he held me at that moment, I saw him at times just sit here looking at me and I'm like, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be, and inside I'm like, oh my God, like yeah. anything can go, can happen. But I, I always am stronger for the other person, even though it's my situation. So. It's like a facade that my mom puts on that I end up carrying, that I look fine on the outside, like, hey, everything's good. And it's all about how you feed it to people as well. Like the whole, you're fine, you're this, just get some sleep, give the baby to your mom. Like she has a job, she has a life. I can't just give the baby yeah. to my mom. Just give the baby to your mom and go out. It's not that easy. Yeah, it's not. People, th that's the one thing that people till now don't get. What do you mean your mom's not gonna watch him? She's at work. <laughs> and not only that, this is her free time. This is her glory time. Yeah, she has no she kids. Got all she wants to go out. Like right. I was joking with her yesterday. She's going on a, a cruise, even though I told her she shouldn't at this time. Mm. But hey. And I was like, so how are you gonna go on a cruise? And what about me, Noah and Elijah? What about y'all? Aren't you the mother? And I was like, so you're not gonna plan accordingly? Yeah. <laughs> it's like my last child is going to be 30, so no. <laughs> so I was, I was joking with her, but we laughed, and I was like, okay, well, see, Noah, Grandma's going to leave you, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, she, you know, she's living her life, so I can't just drop my responsibility, my baby, my on her when she had her kids and lived it. So, yeah, it's it, that I think she teaches you, like, she'll 
when I gave birth to Elijah, I was crying. I mean, about to give birth, I was crying. She wiped my face. It was like, it's okay, stand strong. And that's what she's always done. And then she gives you three strikes. Now I'm screaming and crying at this point because I can't take the pain anymore. The third time, she suffocated me yeah. <laughs> at the hospital. She was like, stop all that crying. You didn't cry when you had, when you was getting it in or whatever, she said. She was like, you be strong. Put on your face. And I literally was like, <laughs> <laughs> tears in my eyes. She said, wipe your face. I was like, okay. And a nurse come back, oh, you are, you are like at the max of your contraction and you're not crying. And I'm like, can you talk? I knew if I talked, I was going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> she was going to hit me. But yeah, so that's what she, you know, you keep your problems here. When yeah. you outside the world, you deal with the world. You come back, you deal with this. Mm -hmm. That's what she's always taught us. So I could get up, go here and be all right and then come back. I got to face this at this time. Yeah. Or like she's one of those, don't go to work and carry this heavy face like, I have problems at home. No, you handle your job, and then you come home and you face home. Yeah. And then you, it's vice versa. You don't bring your work home. Don't bring home to your work. Yeah. So she's that's one of the things that I say. It's a good thing because I can carry myself, and it's a bad thing because I could literally be breaking inside, and you wouldn't know. Right. So I. Well, now that we've exchanged yeah. stories, you can always call. <laughs> and I do. It doesn't matter what yeah. time, day, night. I'm about to be off for a while anyway. <laughs> So please, so the last thing before we wrap up, what what is one piece of advice would you give to a new mother? Um, ask for help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, don't be afraid about, you know, what you hear, you know, speak on it, you know. Um, embrace the moments, you know, um, tell people if you're in trouble and um, take it a day at a time because there's no rules to this. And no matter how many times you have a kid, I think you forget that. There's no perfect mom. There's no rules to this. Right. There's no guidelines. It's make it the best that you can. Mm -hmm. And then what I, towards, after the doctor visit, I would go in the mirror and I would tell myself that, you know, show yourself grace. You, you did it. Mm -hmm. You had this baby. Be proud. Mm -hmm. You're beautiful. You have your rose and your scars. Mm -hmm. Embrace it and love on yourself. Like, you created life. And I've with Elijah I did it but with Noah I do it more I go in the mirror and I put his face to face he'll hug me and I've never had a baby do that before since he was little he'll wrap his arms around your my ear or my neck and he'll smile and it makes it better because when you're looking at it it's all worth it mm -hmm. like you're going through this but this little person here who's happy to be in your hands it's all worth it so yeah that was like the the way I had to like get myself out of being sad and yeah. home and depressed was I take him, go in the mirror, whenever it happened or I have my moments, I go in the mirror and be like, I'm blessed. Yeah. He's here. He's healthy. Mm -hmm. No issues. He's playing. He's alive. And yeah, you can do it. You're strong. You're stronger than you think. Yeah. You don't you mean you don't know until you go through it and you realize, I made it. Yeah. You know, you're stronger than you think and if you you know, need help, ask. And that's the hard hard part. That was always hard for me mm -hmm. because everybody works and they have their lives, but to ask for help. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Thank you, Karen. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. Please like, share, review, and email us at Keisha at KeishaReeves.com. Follow us on Instagram at PushThroughMom or check out our website at pushthroughmom.com. Until next time, keep pushing.
Sandwich, come on.